Next on BYU Sports Nation, the path to remaining relevant as an independent college football team. Winning always helps. BYU working for win number four this Saturday against East Carolina. The voice of the Pirates, Jeff Charles, joins us. Plus, BYU basketball assistant coach and new Twitter superstar, Terry Nashif. What kind of offense will we see from BYU Hoops this season? Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Station live in Radio Vision presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, October 7th, wherever and however you're dialed in. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with one-time Copper Hills High School Scholar Athlete of the Day, Jerem Jordan. I got, I got really good grades. Um, I was very educated in high school, as Brian Logan would say. And then I came to BYU and started focusing on broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs> My GPA wasn't as strong. It all went downhill from there. Well, it went uphill with the experience and fun. Um, but yeah, academics were not my strong suit. Um, was not my strong suit? See, I can't even speak American. Speak American, Kowalski. <laughs> Big news today from McDonald's. Oh, yeah. Breakfast all day. Well, it started yesterday or a few days ago, right? I can't tell you how many times I've been frustrated by arriving at McDonald's at 11.02 a.m. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I'm sorry, we're done serving breakfast now? Really? Yeah. It's 11.02. Now I'm, now I'm loving it. It's great. I, I can eat better. Yeah, free. I'm loving it. Yeah. <laughs> we can't acknowledge the reference. <laughs> it ruins the reference. Uh, we just have to move on now. Whatever. No, we don't. Hey, shout out to Crystal City, Virginia. Apparently, we're always on. BYU TV is always on the TVs there. At a McDonald's in yeah. Crystal City, Virginia. Hey, Hey, Gre- hey! You can have breakfast all day here at this establishment. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Hopefully, the volume's on. It's not just the captions. And there's one dude looking up and being like, "Did he just reference this McDonald's?" Yep. I hope somebody sees that. That that would be fantastic. Why are we on at Crystal City, Virginia McDonald's? I love it. Here are today's BYU Sports Station it? headlines. Yes. Oh my god. The Salt Lake Tribune reporting Michael Davis, BYU defensive back, pled no contest to a Class B misdemeanor assault charge on October first. The other charge was dismissed. Davis has to pay a fine of $250 by next April. He has one-year probation, must finish an anger management class, and has already completed 30 hours of community service. He's on his way. More football news. Harvey Longy didn't practice yesterday, according to inside linebackers coach Paul Tidwell, as heard on this very program. BYU practices again this morning in preparation for East Carolina on Saturday. BYU women's soccer moves up again in the NSCAA poll from number six to number five. Top five, baby. Nadia Gomes is on the top drawer soccer team of the week. Cougars sophomore scored a goal and a win against Portland. The Cougars play San Diego Friday at 9 Eastern against San Diego on BYU TV and on BYU Radio. And that's an announcement that we are doing the game. Uh, I had to wait on some scheduling things. BYU TV and BYU Radio will broadcast that game Friday night. BYU men's golf finishes ninth at the Nick, not Mark Watney Invitational. Sophomore Patrick Fishburne, not Lawrence Fishburne, was the highest placing Cougar, placing third. Nicely done. It helps when you can drive a golf ball 400 yards. Oh, uh, yeah. And He's Pat- good. Patrick Fishburne Where does can he's do really that. really good. He hits the ball an insanely long way. It's, it's a spectacle That's to behold. That's the first key of golf. <laughs> Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Relevance within major college football. 
BYU has chosen the unique and sometimes lonely road of independence in today's college football landscape. The Cougars have shown they value exposure, big game opportunities, and an ESPN contract more than playing for, let's say, a group of five championship in the Mountain West Conference. The key is, Jerem, staying relevant as an independent. What does that entail? And we roll out our Twitter conversation today. Define national relevance for BYU football. Define national relevance for BYU football. Use the hashtag BYUSN. At Justin Thornton. Winning enough to make the future foes fan nervous about playing BYU. I think that BYU has already accomplished that. I don't think any fan across the country looks at BYU and thinks, easy win. No. No, BYU's maintained uh, a certain level of winning uh, standard that's that's been notable. For so sure. on that note, then maybe, Justin, do you think BYU is nationally relevant? Because I feel like most teams, most fans, don't look at BYU and think, yeah, that's a win. I have a, I have a distinct opinion on this, which I'll share in a moment, but another tweet. At uh, Matarama01, 10 wins in the rankings, highlight moments, marquee wins are all part of being a nationally respected team. Yes, 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 and yes. Relevance uh, is incredibly gray. Okay, um, so let's define it, Jaron. To me, it's it's you start with this ranked, being ranked. BYU has no context for the season as an independent without a conference. The only context they have is ranking. That's they're the not, gauge, right? Not play, you're not playing in a conference where you can go. Well, okay, we're uh, we're two and two. If we win this game, we might you know challenge for the conference championship or get to the conference title game. That doesn't exist by choice. So if BYU uh, is ranked, they are relevant. You're on College Game Day. You're on Sports Center. You're on whatever FS1 calls their Sports Center. You do all. Of, you're on all of that stuff. People talk about you, highlight you, mention you. Tanner Mangum shows up in Heisman lists. Better TV window scenarios for your games. Correct. So all of that stuff shows up, and and ask Boise State what it's like to be relevant because those guys are nonstop relevant. I 100% agree with everything you have just said there. Being relevant and wow. being ranked. What? Coincide. Wow, this is amazing. BYU has opted for tougher schedules, generally loaded up front, hoping to hit it big early, mm-hmm. and close strong with some softer games mixed in in the back end of the regular season. Listen to this. BYU, with that format, will play the following college football powers in the next two seasons. Arizona, Utah twice, UCLA, West Virginia, Michigan State, Mississippi State twice, Boise State twice, LSU, Wisconsin. Sounds juicy, which brings us to a stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Beginning in 2016, 12 of the first 18 games leading into 2017 are against Power 5 teams or Boise State. That is an incredible number. 12 of 18. And then some of those other games are against good uh, group of five teams like Utah State, East Carolina. Cincinnati. Toledo is ranked right now. Toledo is the high uh, is is a rank yeah is a ranked team. So BYU is going to challenge my, uh, themselves. Here's my issue with BYU's really tough scheduling. Where is too much? When is too much? I understand the uh, we'll play anyone anywhere anytime scenario, but when three of the next four seasons, including this one are September's on the road, three of the four, first four games. Those are tough. There will, there will be losses in there. If you play tougher games, you get injured. It's what happens. Remember David Nixon telling us that Lance Reynolds, one of the assistant coaches for BYU, said, man, playing Oklahoma is going to be a challenge because we need to come out of that game 
uninjured for the rest of the season. We can't have major injuries. Nobody knows it better than Sam Bradford. Oh, no one knows it better than Taysom Hill. We've seen this the past couple seasons, and, and it's been tough. To me, BYU cannot be relevant to the degree they want unless they finish with, I don't know, nine-plus wins. If BYU goes 8-5 and five again, I don't think that BYU is relevant. Look at the last three seasons. Now, I know that BYU has wins over Nebraska, Boise State Challenge, UCLA. Hopefully it can nip uh, Missouri. Those would all be great. Hopefully it can play a Power 5, maybe in Vegas, and win that game. If BYU is 8-5, I just don't think you're as relevant as you're really hoping to be. Even with this schedule. Even with this schedule. And you're asking for, you're, you're going to challenge yourself, which is awesome. How about this analogy? In high school, let's say you're a junior. You're taking a bunch of classes, none of which are AP classes. You're trying to get into a prestigious uh, school. Let's just say it's Stanford. I don't know. You got Harvard, a 4-0 GPA. Yeah, you, you're, you're really good, okay? You're working super hard. Not the most challenging uh, classes, right? Then your senior year, you take like, you have, you know, seven classes. Five of them are AP classes. Really tough. You shouldn't expect the same GPA, right? You're going to try. You're going to try and get a 4.0. But if you get, I don't know. But a, you're ramping up to get noticed by those prestigious but schools. But if you get a 3.3, will that, and it's weighted schedule or whatever, will that be enough to be academically relevant to said school you're trying to get into? That's the dilemma BYU's in. And I don't think that eight wins or a 3.3 GPA, whatever, you name the number is enough for BYU to be relevant. I think BYU needs to get into the 9-plus category. 10-plus is almost too much to ask with these schedules, in my opinion. It, they're really tough. They're so really how tough. many wins with a tougher schedule? You think 9? At, at least get to 9. Because 9-4, nine and four, you're just outside the top 25 probably. And it depends how you do because it. Because if BYU is 11-2 and two, like Boise State, with Boise State's schedule aside from BYU has not panned out the way they wanted. It's I'm not, super weak. Good, good follow-up. I'm not asking to totally ramp down. I'm saying maybe one less tough game a year or mm. something. Yet, Tom Hobel sits in his office, and he wants to get BYU out there. I, I totally get it. I just, I just, you need to balance the schedule with relevance, right? It is risky, yes, but the payoff, the potential payoff as we noticed through the first three weeks of the season, is huge. I want longer. BYU at one point was called America's team because of what they did. I want more of a payoff, more of a longer-term payoff. I don't want to bask in the glory of three weeks. I want to bask in the glory of a majority of the season. You also don't have one or two big games like Boise State that if you lose, you kind of feel like, oh, we don't get a really another sh- a shot to, to do something big. Yeah, I don't, I don't want it to go down to that point. Uh, but it, like next year's schedule, I think they're. I, I look at that schedule and I go, "Hey, a bowl game is going to be a good season." Like you can't be yeah. relevant if you're six and six, That's seven and five, eight and f- that is fair. Eight and four, right? Strength of schedule is what Tom Homo has emphasized a number of times over the past few years as he's put together these schedules. In fact, let's hear it from the man himself, the BYU athletic director. You know, if you have a really, really tough schedule and win eight games, I think you'll earn respect. It's like strength of schedule. You've really never heard college football talk about strength of schedule like you do come March Madness time. Coming from this college football playoff meeting a couple days ago, you hear strength of schedule coming up all the time. That was in April, I think. Coming from the college football playoff meetings, strength of schedule. That's for those that get into the playoff. They talk about strength of schedule. The, the strength of schedule associated this with this is the new 14. era. Though. Is this BYU's? Is this BYU's new destination goal? The college football playoff? Because if it is, then no. Tom Homo is no. doing what he needs to do. Wait, BYU would have to go undefeated to get into the playoff. Why are we t- even talking about that? A new, a new year six, one loss maybe. Right? 
To me, those are that's the highest goal to me is New Year's Six. To me, the New Year's Six is is the the end of the end of the totem pole. You whatever. have a better shot getting into the New Year's Six with a schedule like this year, absolutely, or but, something like last but year. But BYU is hamstrung by going on the road because they're trying to get home games in the future, and they will, and they will. But it's not right now. It's not during Tanner Mangum's time, right? When you start to get a bunch of these back, I know UCLA and Mississippi State are coming next year, and that's fantastic. These these schedules are really tough. BYU has to get more depth, uh, maybe lighten the practices during the week. I don't know. BYU was tired at Michigan. They came out hurt. These are things that will happen given the nature of these schedules. Here is why I like the tougher schedules. BYU wants to be in a Power 5 conference at some point, correct? Could this not be considered the acclimation period? So that BYU, Assuming you get invited. When they get to a Power 5, yeah. if they want to, there's not this... Stark, not oh win. no, what are if. we going to do? It's not when, it's if. If BYU gets to a Power 5, there will be no acclimation period because they've done it. Well, it would be an acclimation period because of those venues and those teams. And you'd get used to those teams. That's part of what it, you get used to. Utah's used to playing Colorado and beating Colorado. There's also the recruiting boost, and I know it's hard to quantify that. But it just feels like BYU is getting some yeah. good recruits because yeah. of this. Utah is getting um, some guys that would have gone to other schools but didn't make it in for whatever reason. Uh, the, one, the kid that grew up in L.A. that wanted to go to USC but now can still play in the Pac-12. They benefited from that kind of recruiting. Define national relevance for BYU football. That's our Twitter topic at our greenhouse. says ranked in the majority of the weeks throughout the season. Winning big games against Power 5, 10 win seasons. Yes. Up next, Terry Nash of BYU Basketball as practice gets underway. BYU Sports Station presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Conversation happening right now on Twitter. Follow us at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN. This Friday, we're going to do a show on location at Deseret First Credit Union on the southeast side of campus. That's at noon Eastern time. You want to come hang out? Uh, I think there'll be some swag there they're ha- uh, handing out. Come check it out. Uh, Deseret First Credit Union, southeast side of campus if you're local. Uh, come hang with us. Hopefully it's good weather. That's Twitter what I'm praying today. For. The Twitter question today for all of you across BYU Sports Nation is more of just a topic, statement. We want you to define national relevance for BYU football. Jeremy and I just outlined what we think. It starts big time with being ranked in the top 25. At Twiggy or Stone says, as long as BYU keeps coming up, on expansion talk, we know that football being played is at least respected. There's a point to that, and I said that this morning. If you say, okay, who are the top expansion candidates for Power 5 conferences, BYU is always in the discussion. Top three, every discussion ever. It will mean more to me when, when or if BYU gets an invite. Being for discussed. Now it's really nice. Being discussed is a good thing. Joining us now as we switch the page and flip to BYU basketball is assistant coach and 1999 Evergreen High School student body president and scholar athlete of the year, Terry Nash. Wow, that's where we're going right there, huh? Why did you you hide so much? We were looking at your bio. What didn't you do or accomplish in high school? There was a lot going going on. I was trying to get into BYU, so it was great. Now, the the background here is I would have gone to Evergreen High School had I not moved to Utah. We probably would we would have, have welcomed you with up. open arms. Oh yeah, dude! I would Absolutely. have been a placeman. <laughs> Absolutely, I would have taken the mantle from Terry Nash and uh, crushed it because I would have been terrible. But okay, you you went on Twitter recently. Yeah, I'm on. I'm all in. What what went into this? Because you've been a, a Twitter superstar. You've been tweeting out uh, 
Tease, tease of clips, uh, giveaways. Uh, it's been you awesome. have a solid avatar pick. Glasses on a basketball. Hey, there's stuff going on. There's stuff going on. My wife actually. Anything that, that's good it seems like in my life, it has to do with my wife. And she said, you know, we, you got to get on Twitter. These kids come over to our house. These guys, and they're amazing guys. And she said, you need to tell everybody about what these guys are and who what they're like and how they treat our kids and how they interact with us. And I said, that's great. I can do a little bit of that, but. Let's take it a little further, and we want these guys to do so many things on the court that people don't know, and they probably have to explain to someone why they're doing this or doing that. And so I just want people to know what we're asking these kids to do and how good they are at it. And there's so many little things that they do that are so good that uh, I just want people to see. Do you feel like it's ramping things up? Because from what we can tell on social media, people are like buying in super hard to what they are seeing from you on Twitter. Terry. Well, I think so. There's a lot of pressure. I mean, uh, there was Canadian shaken when he he put out the he, he put out the the word, and I had over a thousand followers before I'd even tweeted a thing. Yeah. And so when that goes out, there's you know, and then you start reading all the chatter, and this better be good. Are you kidding me? Why you know Greg Rebell's making me follow this guy? Why am I doing this? And yeah. So I had to give stuff away. I love giving stuff away anyway. So. That's yeah. where it all started. I, I've really enjoyed uh, tweeting out clips from practice because it gives us a sense of kind of what you value and what you see. And just, just snippets, just teases of this team. Uh, what goes into what plays maybe you pick from a certain practice? And you've done that the last couple of days. There, there's a lot of things. Uh, last night I sent out a clip of uh, Kyle driving in there, going at full speed, and then you know flipping that thing to KD. If he's looking for his own play, then he's going to go up there, probably get fouled, maybe make the basket, get three. But he's not looking for his own play, and you can see it. And then for him to go in at that pace, hit KD, and then to sidestep so there's no chance for a charge, that's really hard. How many times do you see that? A guy goes flying in, you think that's a super play. The guy goes up, dunks, the crowd screaming, and then some guy, league. some ref is over there with the charge call, and you think, shoot, you know, they can move the arc as far out as they want, but it's still in play. Yeah. So I'll translate that. Uh, BYU does not have Kevin Durant um, on the team this year. They have Kyle Davis. Just wanted everyone. Okay, oh, yeah, oh, I, I wanted, sorry. To, tra- I wanted to translate yeah. that. Kevin Durant is not a BYU Cougar this year. <laughs> the dunk was pretty sweet too. I mean, he went up and finished it well, but and screamed. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, it was pretty good. Good audio too. Good. And then the next play right after that, you know, Kyle actually goes in and dunks it, but it's a set that we haven't shown anyone, so that's not going out, you know, publicly. And so there's a lot that goes into it, but I just want the little things to be to be shown. I love it when Robert and I does the same thing with football. This will be fantastic. <laughs> that will never happen. <laughs> the offensive coordinator, yeah. BYU basketball assistant coach Terry Nashif with us in Studio B on BYU Sports Nation. We saw the new uniforms in studio. Kyle Chilton brought in Kyle Collinsworth's uh, new getup. Saw the white, the navy blue, the retro throwback with the royal trim on white. Really cool stuff. Who's the main mastermind behind the uniforms? Is that you? There's a lot that goes into it. I, I love gear. I've been a gear guy for a long time. And uh, we see stuff that we like, and we try to you know, get the concepts that we like. You see the, you know, the narrow uh, shoulder, and you saw that in the Final Four. Um, Nike comes out with uniforms. They call it a disruption. Right in the middle of the year, they come out with them. And then we actually have the option to get those the following year. And so... You see that. You see the, the block lettering with just the outline. You watch Duke and Kentucky have that. Um, they did a few different things. One on the back did the same thing. One had solid lettering. Uh, we got the guys involved, Chase and Kyle, and said, hey, this is the concept we're looking at. Uh, what do you guys think? I know what they would like. You know, fish as, long, as, little, as little fabric as possible is what fish wants, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and uh, – so, you know, they said, hey, let's do this with the, the back lettering. Let's do this. Let's put the, you know, the cougar, the sailor cougar on this. I believe the direct comment was, let's, let's take this guy with us on the road. And uh, <laughs> so it, it, it's fun. Across it's good. The seas. 
And then, and then the alternate this year is great. We, you know, three years ago, we actually had a home alternate uniform. I don't know if people knew Nike was breaking a new fabric. We wanted to try it out without fully committing to it. And uh, so we actually wore it about every other home. And, and it's easier to do that when it's a white. You can get it in more. So Will we ever uh, consider a black uniform? Yeah. Because I saw that navy, the dark navy, and it looked black to me. And A lot of people thought it was black. Yeah. I was getting a yeah. lot of stuff coming back about it's black. It's the BYU version of the dress. It's, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on out there. So, it's, uh, no, it was navy. And, yeah. Which um, is still my favorite BYU uniform. I, I think it looks crisp on the road. We like it. It's we good. like it a lot. And coach, you know, coach has input in it and he loves the, you know, the clean look of Brigham Young. It's a big deal for him. And we've won a lot of games with that lettering. And so we stuck with it, but the uniforms, I think that they turned out the best they've turned out this year. And I was excited about it. So in fact, I was taking some pictures as they were starting to come in and then they said, Hey, let's do a, let's do a shoot with them. And I said, perfect. Well, I'll just, you know, trim them down and just show some clips out or some snippets. So. The Twitter reveal. The it's, reveal. Yeah. The full uni reveal, the whole thing, and it, it, it turned out great. So Those uniforms will look nice in a newly renovated Marriott Center. In, in your opinion, what's the best part about what has happened in the Marriott Center during the offseason? There's a lot of things. Uh, one is we're getting back to the other side. We won a lot of conference championships with our bench on that side. Uh, oh, is that what was missing? The, sco- <laughs> the, oh, awesome. yeah, the scoreboard is amazing. Uh, obviously the seats and you know the cup holders and everything in the leg room and it's it's tremendous it's all great and then what's going on with our practice facility there's a great movement right now so when are we breaking down uh, or breaking ground on that thing? i don't know when exactly but it's coming and you know the finish date will be what i'm hearing is next fall and we'll be in there and rolling can we rent any court time on that one <laughs> whatever you want man let's go can i play over? with you yeah that's my first time saying let's go on this time i said it about 15 times the last time. yeah I was, I was gone last time you fired some shots i know that brian logan was awesome well. i was actually hoping he'd show up oh my today, gosh i don't know where he's at i, I th- keep waiting dude, for him to pop out somewhere i thought we were fellow plainsmen vancouver homies you didn't come to the evergreen you I took skipped it, out that's and true, left to utah yeah like that's the where pun- it all like, went downhill yeah, for you exactly, and terry jerem i took brigham young over lewis and clark for me at that point i guess it, it happened. Who, by the way, who's the greatest um, BYU basketball player from Vancouver, Washington? The greatest mm-hmm. from Vancouver, Washington. Well, because there is one on your roster right now. There, uh, you know, Jeff Chapman. He's not from Vancouver. He lives there right now, and he's my guy. In fact, when I first got on Twitter, everyone's coming at me because, listen. In other words, moron. You don't know how Twitter works, and you're actually putting at Jeff Chat in there. And so I let him know that actually I am new to Twitter, but I did know what was going on, and I want. Jordan's not on there, and Chat's one of my guys, and so he, he's the best. I mean, you give him a hug, and you just swallow it up, and he's, he's awesome. So, uh, you know, Bryce Mawika was yeah, oh, yeah. my buddy from, you know, as far as football now, goes, too. Now, so. Bryce was one year older than me, and he was at Cascade Middle when I was at Harmony Elementary. Okay. And he was the fastest guy at this. Look at this. Look at this. I'm telling you, it was unbelievable. And he's throwing me on, under the bus. Throw back to the Fel- North. Fellow Seahawk fan of the last six months with me. Terry Nash, <laughs> BYU basketball assistant with us on BYU Sports Nation. A lot of people are wondering, okay, how does BYU get better after losing the program's all-time leading scorer. So how, how can you want your team to perform better and be better when you lose a guy that's the caliber of Tyler Haas? Can't replace him. It's impossible to replace him. Tyler Haas, I don't think we'll ever see any, anyone like him. There may be someone that scores more points. It won't be the same way. He was unbelievable as far as 
um, you know, calling plays for him. If you got him in the right spot, the numbers were crazy. We would have 15, 20 different sets to get him the ball in the same exact spot. <laughs> and once you got it to him there with maybe not even an opening, the ball was being made. And the shot was being made, and that's because of his work ethic and you know the way he was raised and the way he played, and he was so consistent. We'll replace him with a lot of different guys. We'll replace him with the way that we play, and uh, it, it's exciting. It's been it's been like that for three years. We've been you know calling a lot of plays for Tyler, and we're calling. We'll be putting a lot of different sets in because uh, we'll be scoring in different ways. But I'm excited with this group. I know I can't speak for everyone, but I like the idea of balance. I just I don't know. It makes me excited as a basketball fan to see kind of a new look from BYU with the scoring not coming primarily from the guard line, but, but balance. The Coach Rose likes to play through the post. It's what he wants to do. And that's what he started with you know, 10 years ago is that we're going to play through the post. We're going to find a guy that demands a double team. Then we're going to play off him. If they guard him one-on-one in the post, then they're going to score. If they bring a second guy, we've got him because we've always got shooters on the floor. There will be more balance. What Coach has done is amazing to you know, take the teams that he has and then adjust the way we play. We want to play balanced. We want to be consistent. It's easier to be consistent when you can throw that thing into the low post and uh, play out of there. And then you talk about our perimeter scoring and the strides that these guys have made. It's, uh, it's great. So who are those guys in the post that might demand a double team in your opinion? I think you look at all the guys down in there. I mean, Nate and Corb, KD is a tremendous low post scorer, and then Jamal. And then you talk about getting uh, Kyle down in the post as well. And he's going to demand a double team. And if we're small, then throw that thing out. and It's going to be fun. And you still want to run. That doesn't change? Absolutely. Run, baby. Absolutely. Run to the right, to the front of the rim, throw that thing in, and bury him. So. You just didn't call it go fast, go hard like, like football, but you've been doing it for a while. Coaches, yeah. coaches, coaches played on attack from the very first meeting that we sat in. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. And he just said, we're going to be on attack. We're going to put the defense on their heels, and we're going to go and – I made a comment the other day, play downhill. He loves saying we're playing downhill. Play and, downhill. and you I can like see it. it, and that will never change. And uh, just the way we score, may. In the words of Terry Nashif, let's go. Let's go. Vamanos. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn about your team uh, during that trip to Spain? It was a great trip. You go, and it used to be that you want to go for the practices because we couldn't, we didn't have access to them in the summer at all. All that stuff is changing now. So now we're able to get practices in, which is great. And then we're able to, like you said, we're making an adjustment offensively. And we're making a huge adjustment defensively, too. We've made a lot of different changes. We focused a ton of time this summer on defense, putting in our new schemes, putting in all the things that we're going to do, what we're going to try to do, our philosophies. And so we spent a ton of time on defense, obviously offense as well. But we won some games over there that uh, reminded me of how we used to win games here where we really score points, but when it's, it comes down to it, you guys have been in the Marriott Center, I'm sure. Clock's winding down. It's a tie game. We're up one. We're up three. The crowd's going crazy. You can't even hear the whistle. They miss. We get the rebound. Game off. We win. Seems like we've been winning games or trying to win games a little bit differently, and, and we'll get back to winning where we can do that both ways. And it's wild to think about that because besides uh, the West Coast Conference Championship game, you don't lose a game by more than seven. So you're right there in every single game. So just a couple of plays here and there, maybe defensively. Was that the difference you think? Uh, there's a lot of different things throughout the game that you can, you can pinpoint and you can go to. But uh, I do know that our focus will be on defense. Uh, Coach loves a game that's 80 to 60. That's what he wants. He wants to score over 80. He wants to hold the team in the 60s. That's his perfect game. He talks about it. He's talked about it from the start. And uh, the way you do that is you really score and then you defend as well. And I'm excited if we can get more stops, what we can do in transition. 
Dave Rose has an underrated sense of humor. Not a lot of people see it um, sometimes just because he, he can just, you know, he's, he's about business. But, but off camera, we, we get to see that. Now, he did drop something the last time he was on the show that made me laugh really hard. And he said, yeah, the West Coast Conference said they'd take care of us. And then they scheduled with, with the Diamond Head Classic they, and the conference. They scheduled yeah. six of our first eight on the road. Thanks. <laughs> yep, yep. They hooked us up. I, I, I wish people knew how Coach Rose, the way that I've been able to know him over the last fifteen. This is my fifteenth year with him. You wow. know, I played for him for four. This is my start, my eleventh year on his staff, and he is unbelievable. I mean, you talk. He's my mentor, obviously, and and he's hilarious. I mean, his sense of humor is it's unmatched, and he's got great dress game. He can really drive. I think Cheryl helps out a lot with that. She does. But uh, he, and the way, I wish you guys could hear the way he motivates these guys and makes them a team. And the way, the reason we're successful is because the way that he coaches, motivates, and recruits. And his philosophy is we're winning every game and we're going in to win every game. And there's no question going in, we're going to try to win it and we're going to win it. Final quick question What goes into wearing the clear glasses or other glasses? Just depends on the day. My wife brought the clear glasses in. They're right now they're in a, on a basketball in my office, so I haven't been able to wear them for a little while. But <laughs> so just just ran, just ran, just random? random. Some days it's glasses, some days it's not. Okay. Oh, uh, we have a bonus question. This is coming from at Rexosaurus Rex Nate yes! Austin on Twitter. He said, "Ask Terry about his favorite Tootsie Roll flavor." It's, it's blue. It's no question. It's vanilla. Really? And if you go to if you go vanilla? if you go and you can find them in bins, then uh, you got to pick through them. I actually came across them. I tweeted out a couple. of a week ago or so, but you come across and the blue's gone because it's the best flavor by far. Hmm. You dig deep and then you can find some more. <laughs> it you, would be blue. It has to be blue because you're at BYU, right? There's no question, but it, it tastes yeah. way better. It's not even, there's not even a comparison. Yeah. Terry, great to talk to you. Anytime you want to come in studio, be and fire some shots at Jerem, I will <laughs> gladly welcome hey, you with hey, open arms. Hey, go Hawks, man. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Hey, great win on Monday. Nice work. Yes. And <laughs> Never a win. doubt. We'll take, Never yeah. a doubt. Never a doubt. Ever. Still not a doubt. Ziggy ruining things for us. Oh, later we'll have to ask. Oh, we ran out of time, but we'll ask about Ziggy and his tryouts in more depth later. <laughs> That's awesome. And how you guys hooked him up with millions of dollars. That's awesome. In Back the to NFL. football next. Who will start for the Pirates at quarterback of East Carolina? We ask Jeff Charles, their play-by-play man, next on BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan broadcasting in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Women's soccer is live on BYU TV this Friday night, 9 Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU against San Diego, an important West Coast Conference clash for BYU and San Diego Friday night. The Cougars jump up from number 6 to number 5 in the latest NSCAA poll. The ladies, 10-1-1 one, one overall, looking poised to hopefully get one of those top four seeds and host all the way to the Elite Eight. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is the voice of the ECU Pirates for almost 30 years, radio play-by-play man Jeff Charles. Jeff, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the invitation. Always uh, good to talk East Carolina Pirate football, and uh, we appreciate being with you today. You got it. We're looking at this ECU Pirate team over the past few days. We see a win against Virginia Tech, a close loss at now a world beater in Florida who's undefeated and ranked 11th in the country by seven in the swamp, and then a loss to a good Navy team. How good is this East Carolina team right now? 
Well, I think they're getting better. I really do. I really did not know the answer to that question a couple of weeks ago. In fact, I, I had my doubts, quite honestly, after the Pirates did not play well at all at Navy, and they lost that game 45-21. to I kind of wondered where the season was going at that point, but they've really resurrected the year with that victory over Virginia Tech, 35-28, to and then came back and played well against SMU last week in Dallas and won 49 to 23. And guys, what's really interesting about those two games, the Pirates got behind 14 to nothing to Virginia Tech at home and came back to win that game. And then at SMU last week, they were down 23 to 7, went on a 42 to nothing run, if you can believe that, wow. to beat SMU 49 to 23. So they're playing their best football of the year coming into this game with BYU on Saturday. And the quarterback play has uh, been really good now that James Summers is is the guy who's really uh, responsible for these last two wins. And that's what we've been looking at and wanted to ask you about is, uh, you know, you have Blake Kemp, who's been the starter, thrown 70% completion, uh, a lot of underneath stuff. But it seems like James Summers has been the one that's come off the bench, more of a dual threat, more of a runner. 8.2 yards of carry, pops off the page. Uh, tell us about the quarterback situation right now and who's going to start Saturday. Well, I don't really know who's going to start. My gut tells me it's going to be James Summers, but he has not started so far. It has been Blake Kemp as a starter. But James Summers is a very talented kid. Uh, he comes to East Carolina from Hines Community College in Mississippi. But he's a North Carolina kid from Greensboro, Greensboro Page High School, which in this state is a terrific football power. And he quarterbacked them to a state championship and a 15-0 and record. Then he committed to North Carolina coming out of high school and then went to junior college, and the Pirates are kind of getting him on the rebound. East Carolina recruited him very hard out of high school, and now he comes back after two years in junior college. Now, he was recruited, guys, to come here and be a receiver, and that was the game plan when he got here in August, but then the Pirates have had all these injuries at the quarterback position. A young man by the name of Kurt Benkert was supposed to be the starter. He blew his knee out in August, and then the guy who was the number two quarterback, Cody Keith, left the program uh, just a few weeks ago, so all of a sudden it's like, who's going to play quarterback? And so they had pressed James Summers into a quarterback position, thought he was going to be a receiver, even though he's been a quarterback really his entire life, but they recruited him more as an athlete. And he is a terrific athlete. He, he, he can really run the football. He throws the ball well. And to be honest with you, he's been a godsend for this football program. He's kind of <laughs> dropped out of the sky, and uh, he's been the best quarterback that they've had. Jeff Charles, the radio play-by-play voice for the ECU Pirates with us on BYU Sports Nation. And trust me, Jeff, if there's somebody that can understand the pain of losing a quarterback, it's all of BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars have had their fair share. Last year, Taysom Hill goes down. Christian Stewart comes in. This year, it's Tanner Mangum's show. Optimism is high, but it, it certainly hurts to lose a high-caliber quarterback like Jeff or Kirk Bankert or Taysom Hill. So while we look at James Summers right now, uh, let's hear about some of the other notable playmakers on this team other than the quarterback. Who should BYU fans be aware of on Saturday other than the quarterback? Well, they should watch for number seven, Isaiah Jones. He has 38 catches coming into the game, a couple of touchdown receptions. And football fans in your neck of the woods may remember his dad, Robert Jones. Robert Jones was a great linebacker with the Dallas Cowboys, has a couple of Super Bowl rings. And Robert played here at ECU. This is his son, Isaiah Jones, who is a very talented kid. He'll catch a lot of balls, hopefully, for the Pirates on Saturday. The other guy to watch out for is number 80, Bryce Williams. He is a big-time target. He's 6'6", 260 pounds. He runs well. He has good hands. And they try and get him the ball as often as they can as well. 
88, Trayvon Brown is the deep threat, very talented kid. They try and use him uh, on the deep routes, and, and he's a guy that, that caught a pass for 47 yards last week against SMU. And then the best running back has been a senior, number 22, Chris Harrison, who's a shifty back. He also catches the ball well. Out of the backfield, they use him that way. He's got 17 catches coming into the game this weekend. So those guys are the playmakers for the Pirates. If the Pirates are going to win the game on Saturday, all of those guys have to play well. I want to follow up on uh, James Summers a little bit. Uh, obviously effective as a runner. If, if he was re, you know, recruited as a receiver, how good is he as a passer? I see 17 of 22 so far this season, which is good. But how, how effective of a passer is he? Well, we've not really seen him have him throw the ball deep that much this year. Uh, that 47-yarder I mentioned that was caught by Trayvon Brown was, was kind of just lofted uh, up into the secondary, and, and Summers really kind of had to uh, put a little air under that one. But, you know, he throws the ball well. When I watch him warm up and throw in these games, uh, his motion is good, his delivery is good. Um, but I, the jury is a little bit out with me as far as can he go out there and you know throw the ball 35 or 40 times and win a game for you. I'm not really sure about that yet, although I think that he probably can, but we just haven't seen him do it at this level. His strength has really been running the football, and he's fast and he's big. He runs with a, a lot of power and a lot of speed. He's very elusive, too. He's got a real wiggle to him. He's got really good feet. So he right now is impressed, I think, everyone a little bit more with his running, but I do think he's going to be an effective passer. ECU play-by-play man Jeff Charles with us on BYU Sports Nation. A recent ESPN article said that, in a few words or less, BYU-East Carolina is the game you should be most excited about but probably aren't. Why do you think that this game is being dubbed as, as the hype game but, but really underrated? Well, maybe it's because the two teams have never played, guys. As you know, this is uh, the first ever uh, series game between these two, so there's really no history there as far as you know being a rivalry kind of game. But I'm really excited about uh, going out there, and I think the players are too, and the coaches are too. It's you know you you go to the same places year in and year out, and you play some of the same teams every year. So this is a little bit of a breath of fresh air to go out to BYU and and play against the Cougars. So I know the the folks here are, are fired up about it. The fan base here has talked a lot about it this week at ECU, and I just think it has the makings to be a a really terrific football game between a couple of really good football teams. So. Let's say if it's a great game this year and then coming back to Greenville for the the second game next year, maybe people will get a little bit more excited about it on a national basis. I think it's a really good matchup between a team that has been very good in East Carolina on the East Coast, and then we all know about the incredible tradition and the winning tradition that the BYU has had over the years, a team from the West. So I think that's kind of a a neat matchup, too. So maybe this series – after these two games, who knows? Maybe East Carolina and BYU will play in the future, too. I think it would have a chance to be a really good series. And then as the years go by, uh, people will pay more attention to it. To me, it's a really interesting matchup and a sneaky one at that, especially for BYU given uh, East Carolina has uh, five straight wins over ACC teams, challenge Florida, beat Virginia Tech. It's interesting to me. On BYU's side, obviously, Hail Mary is 1.0 and 2.0 the first two weeks, challenging UCLA, getting blown out by Michigan, beating UConn. What's the perception uh, in East Carolina pirate land of BYU? Well, people know about the great tradition. I mean, those of us who have been around uh, for a while like I have, I mean, I remember the great Lavelle Edwards teams and all the great quarterbacks at BYU. I think what we've tried to do through our, our media here and our radio and TV shows is talk a lot about that this week. 
I think really hardcore college football fans know how good BYU has been, but maybe the fringe fans don't. So we've tried to talk a little bit about that this week and, and really let people know what a, what a terrific college football program BYU has been down through the years. And I think with this game coming up, uh, the fan base realizes how good BYU uh, is uh, and has been, and I think they're excited about the game. I think for East Carolina, it's a little bit of a, a litmus test to go out there and see if they can beat a team like BYU, and I think that fires up your fan base. Jeff, great to talk to you. We look forward to seeing you this weekend as East Carolina visits BYU. That game will be on ESPNU, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 Mountain Time on Saturday. Have a safe trip to Pro, Jeff. Thank you, guys. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much for the invitation. You got it. ECU Radio play-by-play, Jeff Charles on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. That dude is a broadcast veteran. He broadcasted a basketball game at the Marriott Center that Danny Ainge played in when he was covering the University of Illinois. Is that back when it was the Marriott Center? The Marriott. Yeah. Yeah. Ruffin McNeil, the head coach of the East Carolina Pirates, tomorrow on the show as well. Oh, excellent. He was on the show during the summer. Yes. And Brian Logan, after the interview, said, I will run through a wall for that guy. That seems like a really weird thing to say, but I get it. He will become, Ruffin McNeil in East Carolina will become one of your other favorite college football teams, aside from BYU, other than the game on Saturday. I like their program because they're they're sort of representative of BYU in that, hey, challenge the Power Fives, get some upsets. I like them. Define national relevance for BYU football at calm underscore spaghetti says, Boise State's a prototype of nationally relevant for non-P5 programs. BYU needs to win a New Year's Six Bowl game or get into a Power Five conference. Amen. Up next, big deal, no deal. Which Cougar ranks top ten nationally? BYU Sports Station presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jeremy Jordan live from Studio B. Remember, if you miss an episode of BYUSN Live, thanks to our daily rebroadcast on weeknights, you don't have to miss it. BYU TV, 6 p.m. Eastern. And if you missed Inside BYU Football last night, no worries. Coming up right after the show at 1 Eastern time on BYU TV, you can watch Inside BYU Football, an all-access look into BYU and what uh, happened last week against Connecticut. BYU with the 17-point win. Uh, some injuries of note. How did BYU deal with that? Adam Hine was mic'd up. You can hear from that. What did Bronco Mendenhall say to the guys? What did he acknowledge uh, after the game? I enjoyed this episode. Um, a lot. Check it out. Let's play Big Deal, No Deal on BYU Sports Nation. Big Deal, No Deal. Brady Industries, a provider of commercial cleaning supplies and equipment throughout the western United States for over 65 years. Brady Industries Clean Solutions, a tradition for generations, proud sponsors of Big Deal, No Deal. Here's how it works. We throw out a scenario. Jeremy and I decide if that deal is indeed big or not. Deal. Let's play number one. Big deal, no deal. BYU three and two after the first five games. I'll go. I'll go. Big deal. I thought two and two would be a good result. So yeah, you hold up the dill pickle ornament. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I, I, is it nationally relevant? Is BYU great? no? But BYU played a tough September and came out with two of those wins. I thought that would be good. So I'll, I'll go big deal. It's more of a deal, but I have to pick big or no. So I'll go big. 100% this is a big deal 100%. because of the strength of schedule. BYU Wait, is it, what's the, the chance schedule. now, too? BYU played the toughest schedule in the country in September yeah. and won a few of those games. They Without came out- Taysom Hill! Exactly. That's why it's a big deal is because BYU was being discussed for three weeks 
ranked team. Yeah, they had the I missed huh that moment against Michigan, but they were being discussed. It was a big deal because they hit the jackpot by winning a couple of those big time games. Number two. Big deal, no deal. BYU has held their last three opponents under 200 passing yards. I'll go big deal on this. UCLA, that was very significant. Michigan did not matter. They were going to win that game regardless. Um, BYU didn't score. They could have won 7 nothing. whatever. Um, and then Connecticut, not the strongest team. But here's what's going to happen. East Carolina is a top 30 team in passing. Cincinnati's number 5. Wagner, who cares? But the next two games are against good passing teams. The BYU defense has done a nice job in this secondary of holding teams under 200 passing yards. BYU is going to be in a position to beat East Carolina and Cincinnati if they can hold them under 200 yards passing. Now, Cincinnati, I don't see any situation where BYU does that. But if you're holding them way under their average, which is like 386, now you're in business. And the front seven has helped with this more than necessarily the secondary play. It's good, and it's been a pleasant surprise that BYU's pass defense has been good over the past few weeks. But I lean towards no deal because BYU don't lost even know you anymore. two of those three games. It's true. They lost two of three, and that's, that's the stat that matters most. You're in the game against UCLA because of that stat, though. But then you give up 200-plus rushing to that, Paul Perkins. <laughs> that was bad. So UCLA didn't need to throw the ball. BYU's better equipped to defend the pass than they are the rush, by the way. That's never what? been. That has. No, I don't want to use superlatives here. That has not been the case recently. That has not been the case recently. Yeah, leave the superlatives to Captain Superlative over here, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Captain Superlative! <laughs> Number three. Big deal, no deal. Who's starting as ECU's QB? Big deal to me because James Summers has come off the bench. 6'3", 210, athletic receiver. Can't throw the rock, especially well down the field from our conversation just a moment ago with Jeff Charles, the ECU play-by-play. I think that BYU is better equipped to play a passing quarterback, a la uh, Chosen Rosen, uh, Josh Rosen from UCLA, than a dual threat. Dual threats are trouble for a lot of teams, and BYU would be no exception. I say this is a big deal because it's hard for a coach to have to scheme against one quarterback, let alone two. I mean, it, there's just more stuff to think about and more to process as a defense. Okay, if this guy's in, we should probably run this set. It's, it's tougher to relay that to all 11 players on the field that when this guy's in, you do this. When this guy's in, you do this. Jake Rudock was not a running quarterback, yet he ran for two touchdowns. That's just the kind of... Um... It's, it's tough to play a dual threat. Um, and when BYU gave up two to a guy that was not a dual threat, that was rough. Part of a really rough day for BYU. Number four. Big deal, no deal. Mitch Matthews tied for ninth in the NCAA in TD catches. We can't do this without mentioning Mitch Matthews. <laughs> of course. Yes. He's, he's our favorite. Um, I really do like Mitch Matthews. I think this is a big deal. Anytime he can be top 10 in a positive category, especially touchdowns, that's a great thing. He's got five, had two against Nebraska, had two against UConn. And those were, those were take the lead, seal the win kind of touchdowns uh, for BYU. The other one was against UCLA. Big deal. That's great. This is a big deal and a big deal. Okay. Because Mitch Matthews, for those clamoring for Mitch to do more, like we need more out of Mitch Matthews. Because he's good. They expect a lot. This is a top 10 receiver in touchdown catches in the country. Five. He's a red zone target. He's getting open in the red zone. That says something, right? And he's making good catches in the end zone. It's got to be worth something. That's a big deal that Mitch is living up to the hype, especially in the red zone. Up next on BYU Sports Nation, which Cooper team 
just became a top five national team. I'll tell you next in the Cougar Whip Around. This is BYU Sports Nation. If he finishes top ten, I may call him elite. Woo! BYU Sports Station presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Inside BYU Football coming up next on BYU TV. If you missed the episode yesterday, after a win, check it out. BYU over UConn. Now it's time we whip. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. The Salt Lake Tribune reports Michael Davis pled no contest to a Class B misdemeanor assault charge on October 1st, and the other charge was dismissed. Davis must pay a fine of 250 bucks by next April. He has a one-year probation, must finish an anger management class, and he has already completed 30 hours of community service. In other news, Harvey Longy did not practice yesterday, according to inside linebackers coach Paul Tidwell. BYU just wrapped up practice and is meeting with the media. You can watch those on Periscope. Soccer. Women's soccer up to number five in the latest NSCAA rankings. Nadia Gomes on the top drawer soccer team of the week after her performance against Portland on the road. Cougars play San Diego at home Friday 9 Eastern against San Diego on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Golf. Men's golf team finished ninth at the Nick Watney Invitational. Sophomore Patrick Fishburne was the highest placing Cougar in third. Softball. Former Cougars Lacey Hofstad and Brittany Call, along with current players Lauren Bell and Ariana Paulson, named members of the 2014-15 NFCAA, NFCA rather, All-American Scholar Athletes by maintaining a 3.5 or higher GPA. Terry Nashup approved. The ladies, the ladies will also hold on. I'm not done with softball. The ladies will also be playing in the Parkway Collision today against UVU at seven Eastern at Miller Park. Tennis. BYU's Shane Monroe is continuing <laughs> his run in the All-American Qualifying Tournament by qualifying for the final round. Monroe's next match is on Wednesday. That's today. We should cross have country today. This is a train wreck. The men's and women's cross country teams getting some national recognition. Men's team into the top ten, number nine in the national rankings, and the women's team up to number twenty-two. Future guest John. East Carolina head coach Ruffin McNeil tomorrow and Stephanie Ringwood from Women's Soccer, who's ranked fifth in the country. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Health. And you need it most. DexterLaw.com. It goes to Patrick Fishburn yeah. of Men's Golf. Don't call me Lawrence. Your top three finish at the last tournament. Define national relevance for BYU football. That is our Twitter topic today. Just get it done. Our elite tweet of the day from at BYU Clark. When the oval Y on my shirt is recognized as Brigham Young more often than Yahoo. That screams relevant. Wait, Yahoo or Yale? Uh, Yale. I don't know. Right? Yeah. Thanks to Jeff Charles, Terry Nashif, and everyone on our crew. Show on demand. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Randy Reed. Download the podcast. We'll see you tomorrow.